0: The man sets out to work early one crisp winter morning. It's a half an hour uh, walk through his favourite park and it's a familiar route he's been many times before. As the park entrance approaches he sees that wrought iron fence that he's passed through many times. There's been a lot on his mind lately, He's, he's a busy guy. But as he approaches this fence, he he takes a deep breath, quietens his breath, and as his foot steps onto the cobblestones of that park, he begins to recite one of his favourite psalms, the 119th Psalm. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Blessed are those who seek him with all their heart. You see, he's visited this park since his youth. He remembers playing in the lush green fields as a, as a child and, 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 and running through the English oak trees. How can a young man keep their way pure? By living according to your word. He ducks through the darkness of that unique weeping beech tree, and and, and, and the chill and the, the shadow reminds him of times, particularly in, in illness where he's really walked through hardships, but his father has upheld, upheld him through those times. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promises give me life. He continues along the pathway through this park, his footsteps picking up and his breathing and reciting, all in rhythm, and he walks past this beautiful old-style old lamppost. It lights up the path on this dull, Winter morning. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The path weaves through the park this way and that. And he comes to an intersection in in the path and he, he chuckles to himself about the times where, you know, deep in thought, he's taken the wrong turn, only to have to sprint to get to work on time. Lord, teach me your good judgments. And knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Parakeets chirp and chatter in the trees, and it brings a smile to his face because he remembers all the times that he's just burst out in in, in, in songs of praise and thanksgiving to his father as he's just meditated on the goodness of God. He recites the last line of this ancient song. Almost the same instance that his foot steps onto the threshold of the majestic entrance to the British Parliament buildings. You see, the year? About 1805. The park? Hyde Park, with some artistic (laughs) licence. The man? William Wilberforce, who after decades of political campaigning would witness the abolishment of the slave trade in the British Empire. You see, William Wilberforce, this politician, had become a Christian and and he would dig into the Word and one thing he would do is walk through Hyde Park, reciting from memory Psalm 119. And this is a beautiful psalm, actually. It's a psalm all about the importance of having God's Word shaping our life and guiding us and the truth of God's Word helping us over the long haul, about having this, this lamp that is a light to our feet. and and, and illuminating our path. And if there ever was a man who needed help, needed a lamp for his feet over the long haul, it was a man like William Wilberforce. Decades of struggling in a rather hostile environment, but walking in the purposes that God had set apart for him. He said two things God has set before me. I forget the second one, something about manners, but the big one was the abolishment of the slave trade in the British Empire. And when he became a Christian, his friends had to convince him not to quit politics. Such was the hostile environment of of the day for him. You see, William Wilberforce and many other Christians like him over history have understood how how critical and important it is for Christians, for disciples of Christ, to soak in this book. And that's my goal this morning, is to encourage you to do just that, but also to equip you with some practical how-tos. How do we, how do we actually do this? Okay, so first we'll walk through, I want to walk through just the importance of digging into God's Word, what, what do we mean by God's Word, and then I've got a few helpers who are going to come up and help me with some real practical stuff that's worked for them over the years, okay? Sound good? All right, sweet. So, what does Jesus say about the word? Well, John, somewhere I've got a clicky slider. Sorry, next slide. I've only got like three slides or something. Thanks, mate. John chapter 15. Jesus says, "'I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit.'" Already you are clean, that's actually a play on words, that can also mean pruned, thanks mate. Already you are clean or pruned because of the word that I have spoken to you. So here we see that the word of God cleans and prunes us, shapes our thinking, refines our thoughts and attitude, gives us truth about who we are, and when that bears fruit in our life, what does the Father do? He prunes us some more so that we can bear more fruit. And it's through the word that Christ has spoken. It's the word of God that does that in our life. It's truth that shapes our thinking. We were just singing about that this morning, eh? I am who you say I am. Well, who does he say that we are? I'll give you a clue. It's all in here. This is the truth that shapes our thinking. And even in Romans, I'm reading through Romans at the moment, and he talks about the decay and the fall of mankind. And what was the first thing to go? It was, their, it was their thinking, wrong thinking that then turned away from God. This is the truth that shapes our thinking so that we might bear fruit, so that we might be about the Father's business, and that he might exceedingly make us more and more fruitful in our lives. A couple of chapters later in John chapter 17. Sorry, next slide. Jesus is praying for his disciples and you can see just how important this is to, to Jesus. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Sanctify them in the truth. That word sanctify means to be set apart for a holy purpose. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And now as you sent me into the world, so now I send them into the world. You see, Jesus' deep yearning is that his word would impact our life and would shape and prune us, that we might be fruitful, that we might be like Christ, so that we are set apart for a good purpose. You are not, as a Christian, waiting for pie in the sky when you die. You are not waiting for harps and clouds and endless bliss. You, are, you have a purpose now. And God has put you where you are right now, and he's, he is inviting you to be shaped by the truth that he has given you so that you might have no less purpose in your life than William Wilberforce. He has given you purpose. But unless... <laughs> Unless we are sanctified in this, the truth, then we won't bear the fruit needed in order to walk in the purposes that God has for us. That's why this book is so important. We are, and you are, I am, you are, set apart for great purpose. That's what the word sanctify means, set apart for purpose. Now, you are not, as a Christian, set aside. No matter what the world won't want to tell you or your office on Monday, you are not set aside. You're set apart, set apart for purpose. You are not called to be removed from the world. We are not to withdraw from the world. We are sent into the world. Just hear that again, we are sent into the world. We're not to be dulled by the world and just go along with everything that the world would have us go along with. We are called to be a light to the world. You see, our prayer missions as disciple of Christ is simply, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth and in my life as it is in heaven. Amen. Let me be an ambassador for Christ, as Corinthians says. Let me walk in the ways that are so different when I walk in the ways of your kingdom. Like this kingdom of love is so otherly. What does the Bible say? Something about his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are so beyond my thoughts. Well, those are the thoughts and ways that he's inviting you to walk in. But it takes something like the word of truth to shape your thinking, to rewire our thinking in order to walk in that way. And that's a couple of reasons why, just very quickly, why reading this book and being shaped by the truth found in it is so important. But just another thing before we get practical... It's not just the book that we're interested in, it's the author of the book. You see, Jesus in John 1 is described as the word of God sent into the world. The word is like the ultimate revelation of the Father himself. Now, when you speak a word, in a way it's a part of you and it says something about you. I mean, if you want to get to know somebody, have a conversation with them and see what things they talk about because doesn't the bible say from the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks so as we get to know someone we can really dig down and, oh hang on what lie are you believing there you know or hey praise god for that truth that you've just encouraged me and the, the words words are a very important part of us and as we speak them they reveal something about ourselves it's no different with god hebrews 1 says long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Now, yes, that obviously includes the audible words that Christ spoke to us, but it's deeper than that. John 1 talks about Christ being the Word of God. In other words, he is the ultimate revelation of the Father himself. Do you understand? He, as we engage with Christ, we are learning what the Father is like. And that's why out in Scripture, it talks about uh, he is the exact the imprint of his nature and the exact representation of his being. I don't know what translation... You know, you, know, you, you understand. What you Google that and find where it's from. But, but here, Christ is like the representation of the Father. And so Jesus can give his disciples a little slap and say, uh, hey, if you've seen me and hung out with me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because he is the Word of God. He is, he is, in a way, He is God, right? So that is the sort of a deeper understanding of, of engaging with the Word. So it's not just coming to a book. It's not just reading a book. Actually, it's an inclining of our hearts. It's an encounter with Him. It's an engaging with the Word of God. And as we do that, we find out more about our loving Heavenly Father. And as we do that, We are equipped. Now, I have uh, four children, and from a young age, I can just see what kind of personalities they are and what kind of gifting they have. And as a father, I know them sometimes better than they know themselves. And my job as a father is to encourage encourage them in that calling and remind them who they are in order that they might be set apart for purpose. It's kind of the same with our loving Heavenly Father, only much more so because He created you. He knows you. He designed you and he has set you apart for a great purpose so if this can draw you to a loving heavenly father, no wonder it results in great purpose for your life, because you're engaging with the one who will equip you and say my son, my daughter so in short, reading this is good (laughs) now, we may all agree on the importance of it but like You know, just between me and you, it's quite difficult sometimes, though. And we neglect our Bible reading, and it's hard. And there's lots of reasons why, there's lots of challenges why we don't engage with the Word. So I want to get super practical and help you. We could list the challenges: busyness, distractions, kids clawing at your feet, um, not knowing where to start. You know, you pick this up, and if you're new to it, you realize, hey, this isn't actually a book. This is like a library of books. Where do I begin? Or also another challenge is just not understanding it. And you'd be in good company because there's that story of that guy in Acts who's reading like one of the plainest prophecies about Jesus and he's like, I don't know what this is about. And so Philip comes along him by the Spirit and explains and encourages him. And we just need people to help us sometimes. And I'm sure there's lots of other reasons why we can. But I was really inspired going back to Psalm 119. I was really inspired by that psalm because you think about it, right? That psalm, the structure of that psalm, if you know it, is itself a very creative psalm. It's an acrostic poem. It's actually the longest chapter in the whole Bible. Now, there are 22 sections of this acrostic poem to match the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And every line in each section starts with the same letter. I mean, that's, that's creative. That's beautiful, isn't it? And I would imagine this would have helped the psalmist to recite it, and I imagine it would have helped other people down the years to, to sing this beautiful song, to encourage you know, digging into God's Word. And I think that structure in itself is, a, is kind of like an analogy, a helpful analogy, that it's good to find creative and helpful ways to engage with God's Word. It's written into Scripture itself. You might be the kind of page one and start from there kind of person and like good luck to you because you're probably in the minority. You know, you might get to page 100 and then read a bunch of names and go, oh, what's on Netflix? You know, like. But we need, we just need ways. We need help. And so what I want to do in a moment, I'm going to invite about four people up one at a time to share some real practical ways, some, some disciplines, some methods, some approaches of engaging with his word that they have found helpful. And what I want to leave you with today is, is no excuse. All right, let, just go and pray about it. Isn't that the Christian thing that we say? Go and pray. I remember I was um, 16 at a youth camp and um, this guy called Tom Eaton was preaching and uh, almost as a throwaway, he started talking about the importance of reading the Bible as a young person. And he said, hey, when you're reading Proverbs, or if you should, he, his encouragement was to read Proverbs, he said, did you realize there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs? And so if you don't know what to read, just look at the date and read that chapter in Proverbs. I still do that today. I'm like, okay, the 23rd today. Or I, might read it, I can't think of what to read. I'm going to read the 23rd chapter of Proverbs. And eventually I'll read through the whole thing. And it's good wisdom there. Um, And uh, there's other ways as well. I mean, just a couple of things before, um, I think we'll start with you, Claire, is that cool? Um, uh, 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 Just one other way while Claire's coming up is I like people to hold my hand through Scripture because people devote their whole lives to reading the Bible and understanding the context and understanding the history and what it's saying, and then we pick it up without their help. And so I like good popular-level commentaries. Um, This is my favorite by Tom Wright. There's other ones I know that people enjoy. It's just a paragraph at breakfast time, and then you can read a couple of pages. So this is Tom Wright, The Bible for Everyone. Um, I know there's other ones as well. Um, What's the other one? I'm trying to think of the... Phil Moore, that's another good one. What's his series called? Straight straight to the Floor. Straight to the so fill more straight to the heart is another similar one uh, as these. Hey, when you're having your, your Vogel's toast in the morning, pick this up and read a couple of pages while you're eating your breakfast instead of swiping through your Facebook post or something like that. You know, like so. There's a couple of ways that I find, and now Claire's going to share a couple too. So welcome, her up.
1: Thank you so um i've been a christian since i was 17. so i've been trying to get a handle on this for (laughs) a few years now Um, and obviously you know we we face different seasons in life and the seasons change and so sometimes you're good at it and sometimes you're not so good at it and that's okay Um, so what so some of the things that i found helpful out of reflecting back is that actually for me consistency is the answer Um, for me to actually know when the good time is and to use it so for me it's first thing in the morning Um, I might be a bit bleary-eyed when I come to the Bible but I've got a nice cup of tea from my husband so um, that all helps and and it's just really me setting aside time to have with God so doing it consistently no matter what you get out of it or what you read really um, is really about what I've learnt. Um, The other thing is about being open to variation. So I've read many things um, in my time. Matt's obviously named a couple but I started way back with Every Day with Jesus and uh, we did a bit of reading of that for a few years but then I think what I came across actually is I need a bit of variation in my life and variation creates uh, stimulus and then it creates openness and then you don't get stale and bored and not that God's boring, but you know, you get stuck in your ways and sometimes you don't get as much when you get stuck. Um, So for me, um, at the moment, uh, what's working for me is using the YouVersion app and that Gives me many um, studies that um, God can just direct me to. And and then when I read, I, I ask the Holy Spirit to help me um, gain something from what I read. And then I record it and recording it in a diary on my phone. Now the diary isn't like something every day. The diary might go for a bit period of time where I haven't written anything for a couple of days. It might even be a week. But I'm just saying that that's okay. <laughs> you know, sometimes you don't hear something that jumps out of you every day, but it's about consistency. Um, the other thing is that um, I also... Um, I just wanted to give an example of that because um, sometimes you don't know what's going to jump out at you. And so I was... And I was just reflecting back in the diary this morning and when God spoke to me last year through Esther and probably the year before as well and he brings back the stories to remind you again of actually that story meant something to you and that story spoke something into your life and then I was reading it again in the beginning of February and I thought. Yes, that does mean something to me and and something excited happens when you read it again and you reflect back in your diary and God sends us those words to encourage us and to spur us on. And then finally, the last area that I've really enjoyed recently, um, a bit of last year and this year, is actually sharing some of these studies with friends and on the app you can um, just invite somebody to join you and then you read your study and then you can comment towards each other on the app. So it means that we're actually doing life a little bit together, reading the word together and uh, spurring each other on, sharpen one another and that's what uh, that does. It just builds a deeper friendship, deeper relationship um, and is really good. It's good for me (laughs) and be good for you to have a go. So uh, I'll hand over to the next. Lee. Lee.
2: When it comes to reading the scriptures and understanding the scriptures and really growing in my relationship with both the scriptures and the Father, there are three values or three guidelines or three aspects of a framework, if you like, that have been really, in fact, tremendously beneficial for me. And those three things are, number one, prioritize, number two, internalize, and number three, externalize. So when we start with the first value, prioritize, you and I all know that few things in life, especially the important things, happen by accident. Instead, they require deliberateness, intentionality, and prioritization. And when it comes to growing in the things of God, one of the things that has helped me tremendously is to prioritize time in the scriptures. So what that looks like for me at the moment is that every single day, there's time set apart, slotted out, scheduled in to be in the scriptures. And that's not religious. It's not legalistic. It's basic prioritizing of the things that are important in my life. In fact, if I was to pull out my phone to you right now, you'd see scheduled in every single day, there's an hour slot. To be alone with the scriptures. I schedule it just like any other appointment, any other event, any other meeting. I make sure that I make time to prioritize the scriptures. Now, unfortunately for a lot of Christians, scripture is less of a priority and more of a convenience. That once they've done their to-do list and taken care of all their other priorities, and if there's time left, and if they feel like it, then maybe we'll spend time in the scriptures. And then we wonder why so many Christians are illiterate concerning the word of God, Why so many are passive concerning the things of God and why so many are powerless concerning our inheritance of God. And so when it comes to growing in the Scriptures, that's the first value is you want to prioritize time in the Scriptures. I want to make sure for myself that I'm feasting on daily bread and not Sunday-only bread. So that's the first value, prioritize. Number two, internalize. When I say internalize, all I simply mean is to meditate on the Word of God, to think on it, to mull on it. If you think of a seed in the way that it germinates, if you like. In fact, I'll share Jesus in Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, he speaks of the sower and the four soils. And in the first seed, he says that it fell on the wayside and is snatched away by the bird. And then he says, this is like he who hears the word of the kingdom, but doesn't understand it, so the seed is snatched away. He heard it, but because he didn't understand it, it was snatched away. Four verses down, verse 23, he says, this is he who hears the word of the kingdom and understands it and he goes on to produce much fruit a hundredfold sixtyfold thirtyfold so both of them heard the word of the kingdom but only one of them understood it the one that did not understand the seed was snatched away the one who did understand went to produce much fruit so the question for you and i then is how do i understand the seed of the word of god because i think many of us hear the word of god we can quote the word of god we can memorize the word of god and many Christians can recite the word of god and still not understand it And that's why we'll have comments like, well, I stood on that verse, so I stood on that scripture, but it didn't work for me, only exposing that we haven't understood the seed and now we're at risk of having that seed snatched away. So how do I understand it? Very simply, meditate, mull on it, think on it, dwell on it, examine it, study it, ponder on it. And we basically, the way that you germinate the seed of the word of God is to meditate on the seed of the word of God. I remember the first time I saw somebody healed, there was at least three months backlog of where I meditated on certain scriptures pertaining to healing. Scriptures like Mark 16, believers will lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. John 14, 12, believers will do the same works I've done. 1 Corinthians 4, 20, the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. And spending time to meditate, internalize, allow the word to become flesh and produce fruit. sure enough, I see my first person healed. So the way that we germinate the seed of the word of God is to meditate the seed of the word of God. We don't just want to hear and have that seed snatched away. We want it to go and produce fruit. So that's the second one, internalize. Third and final, externalize. What I mean when I say externalize is simply to share your revelation. Give out your revelation act on your revelation. Freely you have received, now freely give. Now watch this, the more you give, the more you get back, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He who is faithful with what he has will be given much more. And I don't know about you, but I want much more revelation. I want much more understanding. I want much more fruit. And one of the ways to do that is to externalize it, give it out. You guys saw the way these young people shared last week. You saw the you felt the authority in the words that they brought. You saw the wisdom, the character, and the maturity of what they spoke with. And I'm convinced that part of that is because they have been deliberate with externalizing that which has been internalized in them. By them being deliberate about sharing it, giving it out, they're getting much more, and we see such a maturity at a young age. So that's the third one, externalize. Again, prioritize, internalize, externalize. As I wrap up here, one thing that I've found extremely helpful with this framework I'm a personal trainer, and I know that the more I work out, the more hungry I get in the natural. The same happens in the spiritual. The more you work out your faith and give out from your faith, the more hungry you get in the spiritual. And so what happens then when you've externalized, you're hungry to come back and prioritize and feast again. And so it creates this continuous loop where you're going from strength to strength and glory to glory. Prioritize, internalize, externalize.
3: follow those two. <sighs> so um, I became a Christian when I was 13 with the Church of England and they taught me an amazing lifelong habit of having a quiet time, they called it. And a quiet time doesn't have to be quiet. It starts with praise where you start off by thanking God for what he's done in your life and what he's doing. And um, then it has some Bible reading and it ends with prayer. prayer and um, over the years I've used many different tools to help me in my quiet time and one of them was Every Day with Jesus. i would used that for years, Um, but also all all sorts of other things. But right now I'm using the Bible in One Year, which is an app you can get on your phone, and it's done by Nikki Gumbel, who's the guy who helped start the Alpha course. And each day they take a psalm, or Proverbs, a bit of the New Testament and the Old Testament, and then Nikki Gumbel does a commentary on it and suggests prayer and stuff. And it's it's quite good because uh, you can either read it on your phone or you can listen to it, so if you're running late, you can um, be listening to it while you're still getting ready. Sometimes I vague out when they're talking And so then I just go back and read it, or if that's if I've got time. But anyway, it's a great way to start your day. And only today, this morning, it was how to hear God. And they quoted, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he's constantly using it, I find, with his Holy Spirit and speaking to me. I mean, that was so... Relevant to today. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word. Um, Yeah, great way to start your day. And also, if God does speak to me like that, I will write it down in my little prayer diary because I'm so bad at remembering things otherwise. Um, Sometimes I take a psalm. This is a different method I use. And I learn a verse, and then I add another one to that verse and i just keep building until i've learnt the whole psalm and then you've got god's word in your head when you haven't got your app or your bible around and you've got it whenever you want it or need it and it's great to do when you're going to sleep or you wake up in the night and you can't get back to sleep you can just bathe yourself in god's word as you calmly drift back to sleep speaking not out loud because you might wake up your partner but um saying it in your head. Um, It's also great to get your hands on the Bible actually on the pages and you can flick backwards and forwards more easily and see what you want to read and and what it said before and it's easier to get an overview if it's paper in your hands and I love that sound of the thin pages flicking. Another thing I'd really encourage you to do, if you're musical, you can take a chunk of the Bible and make up a melody to it. Because, do you know what? It's easier for your brain to learn the words if they're set to music. Back in the day, the songwriters of New Frontiers used to take chunks of the Bible and set it to music, and I can still remember those bits of the Bible. Or if I read that bit in the Bible, a tune will come into my head and I'll start singing the rest of it. God has made our brains like that. If if there are words and music, it uses another part of the brain than just words. And it just somehow fixes it into your memory more easily. That's why nursery rhymes are so good for babies and toddlers. And also you hear about Alzheimer's people. They can remember all the words of the old songs that they loved when they were younger, but they can't remember what happened last week. So I'd encourage you, if you're a musician, start writing some songs using words of the Bible. If you're not so musical, sing out the Bible like no one is listening. (laughs) Sing out psalms to God. He loves it. No one else is listening. Um, I do that sometimes, and I also pray back his word to him and say, Lord, you said in your word, I've just read it, that you'll do this now, Lord it, please. (laughs) Um, One more quick thing. Can I please say this? If you're a parent, please get the word into your children when they're young. Start when they are babies. Um, Use the Beginner's Bible. It's really brilliant. It's got brilliant pictures in it. Um, Even if the text is too difficult for them to concentrate on, you can show them the pictures and say, oh, look at that. Two elephants going into the ark and that sort of thing. Um, Just get it into them. God's word is living and active and his Holy Spirit is on it. Get it in as part of their life, part of the habits of their life. We did that with our children. Um, And you can also do it with Christian kids' songs. Like when Lee just said, pressed down and shaken together, this kids' song The tune came into my mind. I bet it did you as well. (laughs) Anyway, habits are so useful. I think all three of us have said habit. Get it as an intentional thing. I'm using the word habit. They're so useful. The habit of reading the Bible can keep you close to God when you don't feel like it, when you're depressed, when you're cross with God. You just do it anyway because it's your habit and it can protect you can protect you. It can feed your mind during that downtime. And who knows how many lives it's saved. But I don't want to end on, do it because it's a habit. I want to end on, read the Bible regularly. Because he is your passion. He is your first love. You want to hear his word for you that day. Through the Holy Spirit, he will turn his word into that Rima word of God, which is where it comes alive and relevant to you today. And then he he'll make it come alive, and he'll speak to you, and that's really why we want to read our Bibles regularly, and then write it down so you don't forget it. and you can look back and think, "Oh yeah, that's amazing okay.
4: right I'm, I'm here as the cautionary tale really <laughs> <laughs> So um, last week, we're walking into church. Matt comes up to me and says, BJ, I'm, I'm talking about reading the Bible next week. He said, how do you read the Bible? I said, you know, you should speak to Maureen. Maureen's great at reading the Bible. She gets her Bible out of the morning and she journals and stuff. I said, no, no, but how do you read the Bible? I said, oh, nah, I'm not very good. And it has been, I'm, I'm fine at picking up the Bible in church, you know, if we've got kind of a reason for it. I love hearing people talk about the Bible, you know, and and stuff like that. So it's not, oh, the Bible, I don't want anything to do. I'm just truly terrible at picking up the Bible and reading. And so, you know, kind of whenever you've got these problems, God punishes you. So at at 10 to 6 on Monday morning, I get a text because Matt's a builder, so he's got to be up early. So therefore, he does all his business really early. So 10 to 6, my phone suddenly goes off, and I think, oh, it's a patient's got a blade or something like that. It's Matt going... Hey, I've been thinking, I just want to challenge you to read the Bible this week. For and he gave us the, the, um, the John passage that he's been going, going on with. And he said, um, I, I think you should, should read the Bible this week. And kind of Matt had just helped me move house, so I kind of felt I owed him one. <laughs> <laughs> so... um. So, so this week I have, and I think, you know, all, all the things people have been saying are really true, and it, it's, you know, kind of exactly that. I find it really difficult to to wake up and read the Bible. I obviously don't have a partner that brings me a cup of tea. It's always cold on the side. Why Moraine brings me a cold cup of tea first thing in the morning, not quite sure. But just, um, No, but I tend to get up and I tend to get going. I, certainly the way kind of I tend to live, I'm, I'm I'm terrible at these things, so I tend to build them into things that I'm doing. So my praying is when I'm riding to work or coming back from work, and... And stuff like that and kind of when i go to bed of an evening i'm kind of like you know i'm half asleep and all that and i prefer kind of john grisham or something like that rather than than the bible it just doesn't seem to take it in so what i've been doing this week is when i get home from work just kind of because i'm generally kind of hot and sweaty or whatever if i've been cycling you know kind of i have to calm down from it so i've just been reading kind of a chapter a day and it's actually been really good to get in i I can't say and verily the clouds parted and you know I still find it quite difficult to to read the Bible and to think of it. I find the I've got kind of one of the um, students' Bibles and quite often this is probably heresy, I find the beginning of books really interesting because it has all the history of, oh, the book of Luke was written and you know, and I find that stuff really fascinating. I've got a trivial mind as Maureen keeps telling me that I kind of remember trivia but don't remember the important stuff. But find, you know, kind of remember the Bible kind of related. And what I found this week was Pete had said last week or the week before, he said, I'm not great at reading it but I read it aloud and actually it really helps because it's I think I've got quite an an oral um, sense you know I'm not one of these people that reads a a passage and can remember it word for word you know the idea of reading I can't even do the smallest psalm never mind 119 kind of right the way through the park. I'd be like oh look a squirrel So, um, you know, kind of, but reading it aloud like that, it's, it's actually, it does kind of bring it to life, and it's kind of, you, you've actually got to concentrate on the words, it's not just kind of go over. So certainly this week, there was a few times where I was kind of reading a passage, and I thought, I get to the end of it and think, I can't even remember what started this. And so I'd go back and read it aloud, kind of as, as Pete suggested, and it's actually really helpful to, um, to bring aloud. So I think, you know, kind of, the cautionary tale is, if you don't read your Bible, you'll turn out like me. So, um, you know, <laughs> if, if you do, if you do wish to um, grow up big and strong, like Mandy and Claire and Lee, um, read your Bible often. If you um, wish to grow up slightly podgy and kind of um, looking like one of the proclaimers, uh, don't read your Bible, let me. Okay. Thank you.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, save the, yeah. The last thing I I just want to say is is translations are really important as well and just to have an understanding of some good translations and the purposes around them. So um, there are translations that translate literal or word for word and so they get a bit clunkier when you're reading them out loud but you're getting closer to the original meaning of each word in each passage and those translations like the ESV or the NASB are really useful if you really want to study and, and go back to the original meaning of things. And then you have translations like the NIV or the NLT, and they translate things more paragraph by paragraph. And they are really helpful just for getting the flow of things. They're easier to read. Sometimes you might want to ref- refer back to the more literal ones, but, but especially if you're reading out loud and things like those translations are really useful too. And then the other end of the spectrum are like the Message Bible, or the new one is the Passion Translation, I think it's called, and ones like that. Which, strictly speaking, are not actually translations; they're more paraphrases. They're very good for getting the real feel for things, um, but I would use a I would use a spectrum along that. So I would refer to the message when I just want to. Really get like a, a you know, contemporary way of, of getting to that passage and what it's saying. I'll use the NIV and the NLT if you're reading it or audio, listening to an audio Bible. And then I'll go to like a, um, an ESV or NASB if I'm really wanting to study into the nitty gritty of each words. So that's just a quick um, thing on, on what translation that you use. That is really important as well. You can go really, you know, you can really walk out the door and encourage to read your Bible more, but you might have a translation that's not quite. You know, what, you know, horses for courses. So, yeah, I hope we found that helpful and, and um, any one of us are available just to have a chat with, come and, um, you know, cradle up beside us and have a chat and have a pray um, if you want to as well, but just some real practical stuff you can take away with you as well. And thanks to, um, thanks to those four. Um, thanks for, you know, for sharing and being honest and, and sharing some really, really helpful stuff, so that's really good. Cool.